right, well, good morning to you. Everybody awake and alert and everything? Yeah, you had a good Christmas? New Year's just around, around the corner here. Well, I and my family had a great Christmas, and, uh, and on we go. Jesus is still a little baby and everything, so Christmas doesn't, isn't just a one-day thing. We can keep that going, right, the whole idea? Let me ask you this, kind of a, out of the blue, how many of you have a bucket list? You know, that movie came out, I wasn't even knew what that was earlier on, and so these would be things that you want to do and you see before you <laughs> kick the bucket, right? Something to do in your lifetime, some probably work down in the future. So if you had one, or if you have one, where would be some places that you'd like to see? Would, what would you put on your bucket list? Let's take a look at a couple of possibilities here. Let's look at some slides to see. What's that? Some of you don't know, that's the Eiffel Tower, and that's found in... Paris. He didn't know this was going to be a test. He will be graded as well. So this is Eiffel Tower in Paris. Secondly, this is the There we go. Great Barrier Reef. Exactly. Good. It's not the close-up version. Some of you are like, it looks like a slide of an amoeba that's been smashed down. So no, that's actually a big picture of you. You can go down and dive into it, but the Great Barrier Reef there in Australia. Let's take a look at the next one. Great Wall of China, and that's found in See, for some of you, that was the first one you got right. Once you heard it was the Great Wall of China, you were able to say the China. I know that they hold some runs, including a marathon on the Great Wall. I figured maybe my wife and I one day might do that. Some of you are saying, why would you do that? But we like to run long distances, and why not on the Great Wall of China? How about the next one? Stonehenge, yep, and uh, a beautiful part of the country there uh, would be an interesting place to see. And finally... Yeah, African safari. Or our Uganda mission trip, we don't usually see lions, but you never know. Right, Ryan? <laughs> All right, well, by the way, did any of you get any of those as a Christmas present? You know, a little gift certificate tucked in a stocking or anything like that? And if so, do you have any room for a family of seven to tag along? We could pay for some of our meals if that would help you out at all. I just thought I'd float that out. You t- Well... Today we're going to be taking a look at a man in the Bible who had just one thing on his bucket list. One thing on his list, and he'd been looking forward to checking off that item for quite a long time. Now this man's name is Simeon, and, and he wrote a song after achieving his bucket list item, his one item. And it's the fourth song in this series of songs that we find in the book of Luke that we've been looking at here around Christmas time here, the month of December here at Twin Cities Church. Uh, but before we take a look at this man, at Simeon, and his song today... I want to prepare you a little bit uh, to where we're going. Uh, Oftentimes, I kind of like to let the message unfold and little surprises and aha moments throughout. But I want to start up front, and this might get a little bit serious right at the beginning, but we're going to do that for a reason. I want to lay the topic right out in plain, plain sight so that each one of us can take a look at ourselves right now as we get started and see where God may want to speak to us ahead of time. So we want to kind of plant the seed right now. You see, we can look back at the year that lies behind us with a mixture of emotions, and then we can look ahead to the new year, and we can only wonder what lies ahead of us. Uh, For others, uh, for for some of us, there's anticipation and eagerness as we look ahead, and for others, there's just, uh, there's anxiety and maybe even some fear about what lies ahead. And for most of us, though, I imagine, there is uh, something we hope for in the future, and it is, it's this idea of hope that I want to start with today as, uh, as fulfilled hope is the, song, is the song of Simeon through and through. This idea of hope and fulfilled hope is what we're going to see. 
But again, instead of waiting until the end of my message to bring this up and to talk about it, I, I want to bring it right now and ask, what is it that you're hoping for? I, I want to I ask for the first time right now, and, and maybe it's something that you totally expect to happen. You know, I'm pretty much sure it's going to happen here in the next few months or the next year. But for many of us, it may be something that borders on the desperate. You know, honestly, if you were to take a look at something that you hope for, and it may even feel like you need a total miracle for this to even have a chance to happen, for it to come true, for this hope to be realized. Well, whatever it is, I'd ask you to let the Lord bring it to your heart and your mind right now, right now as you're seated, right at the beginning of the talk time. And I'd ask you, what is it that you have hope for? What do you have hope for that hasn't been realized yet? Let me throw out some ideas to kind of get things going. Maybe it's a, a healing that's desired, a healing in yourself or in a loved one. Maybe it's a restored marriage. Maybe it's you sitting here going, I just want to be married, you know. Maybe it's marriage as a whole. It might be the birth of a child. You haven't been able to, to get pregnant. Uh, maybe it's a, a wayward child restored to the family, a prodigal child. Uh, it might be a restored friendship, a friendship relationship that's broken down and you just want it to be restored. You might have the hope of a new start this next year financially, you know, economically. Just get, get credit under control or just to get a job or whatever. Oh, my goodness, I have hope for, for this year to, for things to come together. It might be overcoming an addiction, something that just kind of has a grasp upon you that you can't seem to shake. And, oh, I just, that would be a hope of mine that I'd be free of it. It might be overcoming something like depression that just seems to be always around and weighing you down. Might be the hope of a, a spiritual touch from God right where you're at to say, God, there's something more and I want that. Those are some of the things that I'm talking about when you say, what might my hope be uh, for the new year? <clears throat> well, today we're going to take a look at this song of Simeon. It's found in Luke 2. If you have your Bible, you can open there. We're going to pretty much camp out there and take a look at this. As he meets the Jesus child, the baby who will be the savior of the world, and as we see Simeon's hope fulfilled, my prayer is that the same God of hope who spoke to Simeon will meet with you today, right in the midst of those hopes we just talked about, and that God would give you renewed hope and a new confidence, a new dose of peace, maybe even a word or a direction in your search for him and your next, next step of the journey. Well, let's look at the Song of Simeon. Uh, we talked about ourselves. I know that was kind of a heavy start for some of us, but now let's dive in and we'll kind of contextualize as we go. Now, this passage takes place after the angels' song to the shepherd. If you hear at Christmas Eve service, we saw the angels appear and sing to the shepherds. That's kind of a famous one. Uh, that was the night Jesus was born. But this takes place, place sometimes afterwards. When they're talking about the they here, it's talking about Joseph and Mary and Jesus. Luke 2, starting at verse 22. <clears throat> I'm going to read the whole passage so we can kind of get the flow. It says, And when the time came for their purification, again, this is Joseph, Mary, Jesus, uh, their purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him, Jesus, up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens a womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And then they also went to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now we'll unpack all this later, just let's keep reading. Now there was a man in Jerusalem, here we go, whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought the, in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him, the baby Jesus, up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace 
according to your word. For my eyes have seen the salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. So here's this passage, and it got a little bit, wait, what did that mean? We'll unpack all of that, but we have a chance to see Simeon and, uh, and his song, and, and it leads us to say, well, who is this Simeon? We want to briefly take a look at Simeon, the singer of the song, okay? Because sometimes we, we know, we looked at Mary last Sunday as Kim uh, spoke about Mary, and we kind of, well, I know a lot about Mary, but who's this Simeon guy? Well, let's see if we can find out. Now, we only hear of Simeon in this one passage in the Bible, so we're a little bit limited on what we can pull out of there, okay? We have to dig into these verses to learn something about him. So who is Simeon? Simeon, um, we don't really know. The verses don't say that he was a religious leader, so it seems likely that he was not a religious leader, Pharisee, Sadducee, something like that, or they probably would have mentioned it. So he's probably not a religious leader. Uh, He was probably just a common man, whatever that might be, in the vicinity of Jerusalem, but again, we're not sure. (laughs) The Bible is delightfully unclear about this man. (laughs) I say delightfully, but it's also kind of maddening, like, who is Simeon? You don't even tell us. This this dude kind of appears, sings this old song, and, and then he's gone, and that's it. Who is this Simeon? Was he married? It's impossible to know. What did he do for a living? I have no idea. Is this helpful for you? You taking notes yet? (laughs) Like, why even talk about this? Well, here's some things that we do know about him, and it's not much, but it's helpful. We know that we can gather that he was Jewish based on his name, and he was also able to enter the table as a non-Jew temple. As a non-Jew, you could not enter the temple, and he seems to be very fluent with the Old Testament scripture. We know that he was unusually righteous and devout, but his righteousness, you got to catch this, came from a relationship with God, not from being a legalistic rule keeper. Even back then, we can draw that from the verses, and we'll talk about it. We know that the Holy Spirit was upon him, as the scripture says, which was unusual before Jesus' resurrection. We know that he heard the voice of God, of the Holy Spirit, but he's not called a prophet. Now, when we read in the Old Testament, God would speak to people, and then they would talk to others about it, and that person would be a prophet. Here's someone who's hearing from the Holy Spirit, hearing from God, and yet he's not called a prophet. Now, God told Simeon that he would see the Messiah before he died. And you have to stop and go, what a privilege, what an amazing blessing. You see, the Jews had been waiting for centuries for the coming of the Messiah. You know, the Messiah is going to come, he's going to come. But suddenly, Simeon is told by God himself that he gets to see the Messiah in his lifetime. I mean, how cool is that? They're like, is he ever going to come? And Simeon's like, yes, God told me, and I get to see him. That's like, that's pretty cool. Now, Simeon is likely an older man, maybe very, very old, but even that isn't certain. We kind of have to put some conjecture into it. He could have been very old, but we'll talk about it a little bit later. So that's Simeon, and it gives us some glimpses as to who this person is that enters into this journey that leads to this song. Now, we're going to talk a little bit more about him as we look at his song in detail. So let's see what we can learn from Simeon and his song of hope. Now, here's the point again. I started the service with potentially a heavy to say, what is that hope that's in your heart that maybe you've been pushing aside? Maybe you've even lost hope. And you're now saying, is, is, should I even resurrect this? Or is this just going to lead to more frustration and failure? This is with a close eye today on how it can help us with our own hopes that we carry into the new year, okay? Because I believe God wants to speak a message of hope to us today. 
Well, if you want to follow along in your outline and take some notes, this is where you can, where you can do that. We want to learn from Simeon and his song of hope. And first of all, what we can do is we need to learn to, that we can put your hope firmly on God and his promises. It's what Simeon did, and it's what we're called to do. Put your hope firmly on God and his promises. You see, Simeon trusted God with his life, and he relied completely on the promises of God. Now, we're told of his waiting on on this one promise that God made directly to him, but that really wasn't all that he trusted God for. Uh, Because of, of how he's described, we can see that he trusted in God and all of his promises. Because we stop and we take a look at promises, and and we realize God has promised us a lot of things. It's not just one or two in Scripture. If you take the time, there's a lot of promises in Scripture. The Bible's full of them, and many of them are awesome. But here's what you got to catch. It's important to note that his promises are sometimes tied to our own actions. Okay? They aren't just a promise out here. Let me describe what I mean. For Simeon, stop for a second. I thought, why did God talk to Simeon? There's a ton of guys around Jerusalem area there. Why, why choose him? There were many people God could have made that promise to. Why him? Was it a random lottery? I mean, did God just kind of go, oh, I'm going to tell someone that Jesus is coming. Hmm, I wonder who the lucky one will be. And just kind of you, you know, randomly pick somebody. That wasn't the case at all. You see, Simeon received that promise because of his heart. Because of his heart and his relationship with God, it led to this promise. Now, for us, I started to reflect, and I think, sure, we want God's promises, but often we want them unilaterally. By that, I mean on our own terms, you know? We want them when it fits and how it fits. God, I want to do my own thing, live my own life, make my own decisions, but then I want you to come through for me when I want it and in the way I want it, (laughs) right? Now, I don't think we'd actually say that. But I think that's sometimes how we live our lives. Just kind of plunge along, doing our own thing. God bless me as I do what I want to do. But when I really need the blessing, come through for me. Give me that promise. Give me what I wish for. Oh, wait. Is God a genie? Give me what I wish for? It's not the way that works. And it's not a relationship that way. Let me give you an example. You could say, I've heard that the Bible says God will give me the desires of my heart. That sounds awesome. God's good. That's a promise. God will give me the desires of my heart. Sound good? Right before that in Psalm 37, it says, delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart, right? That's the part of it. It's not God saying, I'm not going to give until you give. He's saying, as you delight in me, as you develop this relationship in me, then it will lead to these things. It will will amaze you. Do you understand how some of God's promises are tied to our own relationship and our own activity with God? You may say, I want to find God, and I want him in his presence whenever I want it. (laughs) The Bible does say, if you seek me, you will find me, God says. But it says, if you seek me, you will find me, if you seek me with all of your heart. Again, he's saying, don't just leave your life and then go, God, I want to find you now, in this way, in this place. God's saying, seek me with your heart. Make this a part of your life. Look for and determine to develop this relationship. And oh my goodness, it's going to blow you away. See, if we trust in ourselves most of the time, why do we think God will step in with all the goodies when we want them? And that verse, the Romans 15 verse that Ron read just a few minutes ago, it it speaks to this. Romans 15, 13 says, I'll read it again. It says, I pray that God, the very source of hope, okay, he's the hope giver. I pray that he will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in him. Get it? You trust in him and he fills you completely with joy and hope and it doesn't stop. Then you will overflow 
with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit, then there's a blessing and there's overflowing and power and there's joy and there's hope there. It's trust him, trust God, he's the source of hope, and then you'll overflow with confident hope. Oh yeah, joy and, joy and peace and all that too. That was Simeon. That was Simeon and, and that needs to be us. Well, that leads to number two, which is closely related, but I wanted to make a distinction. Number two, in terms of learning from Simeon and his song of hope, we need to pursue God before the promises. Pursue God before the promises. Let me say it another way. Seek the giver before the gift. Before the gift. Seek the giver. This sounds great, but it's so hard to do. But, but pursuing God before his promises puts you in a place to actually receive those promises. Oh, gosh, those promises sound great. Yeah, but if you pursue the promises, you're pursuing the wrong thing. Pursue the giver of the promises. Pursue the giver of the gifts. And the gifts will come. Let's keep them in a right priority. And pursuing God before his promises puts you in a place to actually receive those promises. <laughs> it's counterintuitive, but it's, it's God's way. Seeking the giver before the gift. So we read in Luke 2 that Simeon wasn't hung up on the rules of God, but he was totally sold out on this intimate relationship with God. So listen to verse 25 again. Luke 2, 25 says, Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Now listen, Simeon lived in a time before Jesus' death and resurrection. Obviously, right? He lived and Jesus hadn't even been born, and now he's born. But it's important to note here because the Holy Spirit was said to be upon Simeon. And that was very unusual before Jesus' resurrection. You see, in the Old Testament, we hear the Holy Spirit would come upon someone for a little while. They'd almost come and visit to empower someone to do something and leave. As a follower of Jesus, one of the things that Jesus has done for us is give us the Holy Spirit to actually indwell and stay inside of us forever and ever. Okay? As a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in me. And it wasn't that way before Jesus' death and resurrection. Okay, the Holy Spirit would just kind of come and go. And yet we have this man that says that the Holy Spirit was upon him. It doesn't define that entirely. But there was a unique relationship. Simeon uh, lived for the Lord so much and his heart beat for the Lord so much that God was upon him in a special way. And so this promise came as a result of that relationship. And, and that's why God chose Simeon, as we mentioned earlier. So we have to pause for a second and say, Simeon pursued God and the giver of the gifts before the gift. He pursued God before the promises. Is that me? Am I satisfied with pursuing God first and foremost and letting the promises come as a result afterwards? Gosh, I get so hung up on unfulfilled hope and the promises that aren't happening that I have a tough time focusing on God. God's saying that shouldn't be your focus. Your focus is here. And let these things result. Are you able to seek the giver of the gifts before the gifts themselves? That's what Simeon did, and it's a great model for us. Well, number three. This one isn't going to be easy, I warned you. Number three, in terms of learning from this song of hope, wait patiently for him. Wait patiently for him. Those first two words aren't fun. <laughs> I think we can agree that waiting patiently is not the American way. Right? I mean, some of our least favorite moments in life come from waiting. The red light that seems to refuse to turn green, for example. There is a light on my way to church every morning that I choose to go this way only on Sundays. I don't know. I, I make my Sunday drive here different than my weekday when I'm here for whatever reason. And, uh, but there's a light there, and it's early in the morning usually when I'm coming. There's no other traffic around, but this light is not on a sensor. It's on a timer. And if I happen to hit it as it turns red, 
there's no one around, and I watch these people go that aren't there. <laughs> Yellow, red, I won't take the time now. I'd go way over long in my talk, and then these people get to go, and then red, and then the left-turners. Get, there's no one here! <laughs> I'm watching my watch going, I sure wish I was at church already. Those red lights. How many of you like to wait at the DMV? <laughs> yeah, you can make appointments. That helps, right? Or the old waiting in a long line anywhere, you know. If you're waiting for the, especially for you gals, you know, waiting for the, the line at the bathroom at a concert or a big event, right? Holy cow, this is not fun. But here, hear this. Waiting patiently was a big deal for Simeon. And I think, I think this will be a help to some of us who feel like we've been waiting for a long time for our hope to be realized. Again, to get serious for a moment. We take a look at that hope and go, gosh, John, this isn't something new. Let's consider Simeon's waiting. See, Simeon was waiting on the Lord's promise, and he was waiting and waiting patiently, maybe waiting a very long time. Uh, it seems like the promise had been made a long time ago to Simeon based on him saying, basically he says, I'm finally ready to die, Lord. It's happened, you know. It feels like I've been waiting my whole life for this to be fulfilled. Take me now. He's potentially very elderly. Now, exactly long, how long had he waited? We don't know. Probably years and years, maybe decades and he's like, okay, Lord, thanks for telling me. I almost wish you hadn't told me. <laughs> you know, when is this going to happen? Now, to top it off, not only had it been years, if not decades, but when the baby Jesus was finally come, finally born, and this, I, it occurred to me this week, and it almost made me laugh at Simeon, because he's not around to be bugged by that poor guy. He didn't even get invited to Jesus' birthday party. He's like, I've been waiting for years, maybe decades, and Jesus is born. Not even hear about it, right? The angels appear and put out the birthday invite, you know. And sure, it was a pretty rustic birthday celebration with all the amenities of a first century stable. It wasn't much of a deal, but, but there were potentially a lot of animals there. And then that huge host of angels that Pastor Ron spoke about at our Christmas Eve services. And they invite in all these smelly, poor, dirty shepherds to the birthday party. Maybe some stragglers going, where are you going? What's going on? Coming to see Maybe, maybe even a little drummer boy was there, if you want to believe that children's story. <laughs> but not Simeon. The owner of the stable probably pokes his head in and how, sees how things are going. I don't know how many people get to see this baby. Simeon is nowhere to be seen in the, on this. Now, Simeon um, has been waiting probably for years and years, and he gets to wait a little longer. Now, it says that Jesus was circumcised, according to the law, on the eighth day of his life, which was what was done according to to God's law. And that's when Mary and Joseph formalized the name Jesus, okay? Simeon wasn't there at that time either. Now, according to Jewish law, a new mom, catch this, was declared unclean for 33 more days with a son after the circumcision. And it was only at that point that she could take then the baby to the temple, 33 plus 8 is 41, for those of you mathematically challenged. Okay? There, at that point, the parents would offer a thanksgiving sacrifice to the Lord, either a lamb if you had the money, or if you were poor, you could sacrifice a pair of doves or two small young pigeons. Now, it's interesting that even this subtle passage of Scripture tells us that Jesus' family was really poor. They were not able to offer up a lamb. It was just these two young, these two young birds. And, and it's interesting that... that Jesus being poor probably helped him even more identify with the poor of the earth, the truly meek and poor of the earth. And, you know, here's this eternal king born in a manger, not a palace, and, and, and he's born not even into a lower middle-class family. This is like probably dirt poor here. Now, 
God had stated in his law that Jewish parents were to bring a firstborn child to the temple to be presented to the Lord if the child was male. So if your first child you had, ladies, was a male, then you take him to the temple then on this 41st day for a dedication, kind of a ceremony, dedicate him to the Lord. So along with the sacrifice, there is this, this dedication. So here we go. Finally, 41 days after the glory to God on the highest on earth, peace, goodwill to men, and shepherds coming and all that stuff, Simeon, decades, years, decades, whatever, and now... 41 days, all of a sudden, Holy Spirit says to Simeon, head to the temple. What? Get over to the temple. Okay, you know, devout, righteous man that he is, goes, something's going on. The, the Holy Spirit leads him. He doesn't hear from the choir of angels. He doesn't hear the gossip of the shepherds or the town folk, anything that's going on. He simply is led by the Holy Spirit. And there he sees this little baby. This little baby. And he is ecstatic the hope he has had for years and years is finally realized. And more importantly, the hope of all the nations for all eternity is now here. Can you draw any comfort, uh, uh, comfort from this waiting story? Because you may feel like you've been waiting for years yourself for your hope to be realized. You know, it could be days, weeks, months, years or something. You know, it's been so long. And yet, here is this faithful, patient Simeon who gives us this great example of waiting on the Lord and God's timing. Simeon believed this concept that's found in 2 Peter 3.9 before it was even written when it says the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise, as some people think. And he goes on to say, no, he's being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. God's timing is God's timing, and it's often not your own. And I picture Simeon having heard from the Lord saying, you're going to see the Messiah before you're dead. Cool, where is he? Day after day, week after week, month after month, year after year. Did I really hear God say that? He waited faithfully and patiently. Fourth, in terms of learning from his song and this song of hope for us, we're called to rejoice when your hope is realized. You're called to rejoice when your hope is realized. Now, this one might almost sound funny. Sound funny. You'd say, John, what do you mean rejoice? If my hope, this big thing we were just talking about, or hopes, plural, was realized, of course I'd rejoice. Why even write this down? Well, here's why. There's something, this is something I love about Simeon, because when he finally gets to see God's Messiah, he rejoices. And, and let's look at that. The Bible says, again, he took Jesus up in his arms, and he blessed God, and he said, and this is just this amazing outpouring, Lord, now you're letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. And here's why I say this is amazing. Simeon doesn't gripe about how long God made him wait, right? He doesn't do that. He, he doesn't get jealous or upset that the smelly shepherds got to see Jesus first before him. You know, he doesn't just posture and say, hey, I'm the righteous, devout one here. Why didn't I get in on the action earlier, right? I mean, he doesn't go into that whole thing. God, it took you long enough or whatever in that, Okay. He doesn't complain about the timing. Also, Simeon doesn't complain about the method God uses to save his people. You think about that? Now, remember, most Jews expected a powerful military figure to come from heaven and beat the Romans into oblivion. Serves them right, right? They are just waiting for a mighty conqueror, warrior to come down. So I think, perhaps, Simeon's thinking when he says, you're going to see the Messiah, he's going to come and see this, like, major military figure. He expected a, a king. And it would have been so easy for Simeon to see, to walk into the temple, look around for the amazing figure, and God point him to this little babe, and he's like, that's it? God, are you crazy? 
<laughs> are you crazy? This is an itty-bitty baby boy born to a poor family, a man and a woman who aren't even married yet. This is not a good idea, just my humble opinion. This is not how I expected things to work out. You're fulfilling your promise, but it's just not you know, what I was thinking the way it was going to be. See how that can go? You see, instead, Simeon rejoiced at God fulfilling his hope, even when the timing and the method were way off from his own desires. That's why this point needs to be in here, because you would say, John, of course I'd rejoice if, my, if and when my hopes were realized. But let me ask you, are you prepared to rejoice in whatever, whenever, and however God chooses to act in 2015? Well, if it's on my terms. Simeon didn't say that. I think God even made him wait 41 extra days so he could speak to us and say, it might be decades, it might be 41 more days. And you may not understand why, but if I understand why and it's a part of our relationship, isn't that enough? Even if it's not your best interpretation of an ideal action, Simeon is a great model for us in this. Well, finally, in terms of learning from this song, it helps to know that Jesus is the hope for everyone. And we need to know that. Jesus is the hope for everyone. You see, at the end of Simeon's short song, we see that Simeon looks beyond his own hopes being fulfilled and extends that hope to others. And this is a pretty amazing thing because especially when you've had this hope for so long, it would have just been so easy for him to just get all wrapped up in, yay, God, thanks. You know, as a baby, I get that kind of weird, but yay, thanks, and all about me and my hope fulfilled and God's so good. And, and instead of just focusing on his own hope, he, he immediately takes it beyond that and extends that hope to others. He's able to rejoice in God's offering hope in Jesus to all Jews, but also all the people of the world, Jews and non-Jews alike. It says at the end of his song in Luke 2, verse 30, he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. In other words, this isn't just a king for the, the Jewish people. This is, this is for everybody. And we see this, and I think there's two things we can pull from this today. Two things that we can pull from this today as a standalone. First of all, make sure you communicate the hope of Jesus to everyone no matter where you are in your own journey of hope. It's, you see, it's easy to get caught up in our own difficulties and worries and, and searching for promises and hope, but, but if Jesus truly is the hope of the world, and I absolutely believe he is, as the Bible says, then we need to be able to tell others to extend that hope to others. Okay, don't just get so caught up in our own fulfilled hope or unfulfilled hope, but to be able to say, this baby Jesus that we love to sing about and have little Christmas times about, this is the hope for you. This is the hope for you. It's, it's the hope for you. He's my hope too, but, but I don't want to focus on my hope alone. It's your hope. The second thing is that there are probably some people here today, right now, that need to realize that the words of Simeon are speaking to you. And by that I mean Jesus is your hope of a new life here on earth, a forgiven, free, purposeful life here on earth, and, and eternal life with God. See, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, a non-Jew, whether you're a man or a woman, whether you're young or old like Simeon, whether you're rich or poor like Mary and Joseph, whether you've lived a pretty good life, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, or you've lived a life that, frankly, you are embarrassed to even think about, let alone tell anyone else. doesn't matter. 
the baby Jesus, the hope of the world, offers you a fresh new start. And he died on the cross to take the punishment for the sin of your past and your present and your future life. And you, you simply have to receive that gift through faith. It's the first Christmas present and the best one ever. That is hope. So what is your greatest hope as we approach 2015? We're going right back to where I started today. Started kind of heavy and we're going to end there. Remember I mentioned some ideas for you. The restored marriage or just marriage as a whole. Maybe it's a, a restored child of the family or a new child. A restored relationship with a friend. Maybe it's healing a physical or emotional or even spiritual healing of some sort. Maybe it's that new start financially, economically, just in some way, even organizationally. Maybe it's overcoming that addiction or, or that something that grips you. Maybe it's a hope of overcoming depression. It's maybe a spiritual touch. Maybe for even just one of you here this morning, today, it's, it's what I just talked about. It's that the new life and the new start in Jesus that he promises. I want to pray with you right now, and then, as Ron spoke earlier, after the offering time, Ron will come up to close the service. And at that point, we want to give you an opportunity to take physical action today to bring your hope before the Lord. You see, the Christmas Eve services, we had the opportunity to light some candles up here for a variety of purposes, mostly related to peace, as we spoke about. And we chose to leave those candles here for this morning uh, so we can use them again. We're not trying to duplicate an experience. Some of you are here, some of you weren't. But very specifically this, this is a time, it's an opportunity for you to come forward and lay your hopes before the Lord. It's a way for you to ask for prayer from the church as they see you come forward, perhaps. And it's a way for you to maybe... Listen, to reposition your hopes to fit what we've been talking about this morning, really for you to say, Lord, I want my hopes to be your hopes. I want my hope to be in you. I want hmm, your timing and your methods, and I will trust you into the new year. I and some other people from the prayer team will be up front afterwards if you want some specific prayer after lighting your candle. Now, you can be as private as you want to be, um, as you want, you know, it's just between you and the Lord. You know, you can come and light a candle and leave, and that works totally fine. This is, this is something between you and the Lord. But sometimes that extra prayer, you know, that extra touch is helpful, and we want to offer that today. So I and, and your prayer team, in fact, if you're a prayer team person that didn't know about it and you want to come pray for people, come up front, and we'll see how the Lord moves. I'm not trying to create an emotional experience here, but again, as Pastor Ron shared earlier, sometimes a chance to physically respond to something the Lord's put on your heart to say, he has given me a hope. I need to reposition that hope and I need to offer it back to the Lord in relationship to him. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for today and thank you that you love us so much. Um, you do. I'm so grateful for that. I thank you that you're a God of hope and not just... Um, lightweight hope just i wish i hope someday something happens but a god of very real promises a god of relationship that leads to fulfilled promises and god i'm thank you that we can put our hopes in you lord we pray for the right hopes the hopes that are your hopes and dreams father i pray right now that you would just touch each person you would stir up their hearts and again maybe there's someone here today that says i just need the hope of of new life and eternal life and if that's you today you simply give your heart to jesus Ask him to forgive you all your sins, all the things that have 
broken your relationship with God and ask him to come and lead your life. And he will bring that hope and that peace and joy that we read about today into your life. God, we want to respond to you today. In Jesus' name, amen.